Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 669. A few weeks ago, we heard some great bird-themed music sent to us by Dave Lewis, a wonderful jazz composer and pianist in San Diego. And this week, another talented California musician is checking in. She's Deborah Crooks from Alameda, California, and she tells us that the lyrics of her newly released song called Be Your Own Bird draws upon her lifelong love of birds and her understanding of finding and owning one's own voice as an artist. In college, she helped release then-endangered peregrine falcons back into the wild, and she now volunteers as a hawk watcher for Golden Gate Raptor Observatory. Here's a little sample of Deborah's Be Your Own Bird. Song Sparrow sings its own song No other place it belongs Like the toey peeps in the leaves In your own life you must believe And be your own bird Hummingbird nests in the trees Spun thread, a tiny blue wave Wings of blue in the air We all have our own truth to declare Be your own bird Thank you, Deborah Crooks. Talking Birds listeners, uh, check out our Facebook page. Not yet, but we'll have it up there very shortly. We'll put up a link to uh, more of Deborah's uh, terrific music, Deborah Crooks. We now switch from music to beautiful bird-related prose, courtesy of our friend and Talking Birds ambassador, Ethan, from Sandwich, Illinois. It's a piece uh, he wrote called Birding Through Time. What other pastime can send you back through time? Long before humans roamed the earth, Walking down the path next to a reedy marsh just before spring, I heard the rattle of some large beast up ahead. Proceeding with caution, I found the source of the sound, a pair of sandhill cranes, startled by my presence so near their foraging ground. With red foreheads, yellow eyes, and massive wingspans, these ancient giants looked fierce as they seemingly materialized from nothing in the backdrop of reeds. The cranes kept an eye on my companions and I as we passed by, reminding us to keep our distance with the occasional loud cackle. Soon after we were gone, the two cranes disappeared back into the reeds. But I still knew they were there by their brilliant trumpeting call that can be heard for miles around. Being so close to such a magnificent animal, not all that far from someone's backyard, reminds me just how close each of us is to the natural world. 
It's a grand feeling. In what other pastime can you find yourself face-to-face with a creature whose ancestors walked the earth long before humankind? Sandhill Crane vocalization going on there. Thank you so much, Ethan, for that uh, beautiful piece. Well, back here in the Northeast, meanwhile, folks have been saying, hey, what's with all these Nor'easters? Or Northeasters, as the old-timers called them, these brutal winter storms with snow and high winds. Well, what's with them may have to do with the vanishing Arctic ice. At least that's what a group of scientists is suggesting. They point out that the amount of ice formed in the Arctic was near an all-time low over the winter that just concluded. Part of a warming phenomenon that some experts believe has increased the likelihood of severe weather like those northeasters. The extent of sea ice is tracked closely by researchers and is being connected to unusual weather hundreds of miles to the south including drought in California and those big snowfalls here along the East Coast. Rafe Pomerantz, who's the chairman of Arctic 21, a network of climate scientists and environmental advocates, is quoted as saying, this again shows the absolute urgency of what is happening to the planet's climate system. The researchers say that although it would be wrong to cite warming as the cause of any single weather event, the likelihood of extreme weather has increased as temperatures in the Arctic increase. And there's a particular species whose very survival is linked to these Arctic melting conditions, and that leads to our conservation salute of the week. It goes to biologist Andrew DeRocher and his colleagues at the University of Alberta who have launched a plan to save an animal species that is under severe survival challenge as the Arctic ice, on which they depend, slowly or not so slowly, melts away. Yes, talking about polar bears. Latest estimates suggest that Arctic sea ice is disappearing by 14% a decade, drastically limiting the bears' ability to hunt the seals on which they feed. In research on bears living in the Arctic islands of Svalbard, up off the coast of Norway, shows that the reproduction rate of the bears is now just one-fifth of what it was just 20 years ago. Scientists now predict that the global population of polar bears could fall from 20,000 to 30,000 today to fewer than 5,000 by 2100. Luckily for the bears and the humans who care about their survival, DeRocher and a cadre of fellow scientists are developing a complex set of strategies to try to save the polar bears it includes everything from providing extra food for the bears and delivering food by helicopter to turning female grizzly bears into surrogate mothers for the polar bears. But the scientists warn that the species will cease to exist in the wild even if we turn to assisted reproduction and the other techniques described unless we find ways to slow the ongoing warming of the Arctic. The reduction of fossil fuel use is certainly a big part of the potential solution. And we'll have a conservation salute next week to some folks from the other side of the planet who are trying to do something about it. Today's salute goes to biologist 
Andrew DeRocher and his colleagues there at the University of Alberta. That is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming up a little bit later in the show. We want you to be ready to phone in when we give the uh, signal a little bit later on. Clues here. A mystery bird is a medium-sized songbird with a large silver-gray bill. The male in breeding plumage is deep blue with two brown wing bars. Female mostly brown, also with two brown wing bars. Our bird nests across most of the southern half of the United States and much of northern Mexico, although it has been expanding its range northward in recent years. And winters mostly in Central America. It's found in forest edges and fields, hedgerows, and other areas with medium-sized trees where it feeds on insects and seeds. That's our mystery bird. That's a little preview of uh, our mystery bird contest uh, coming up a little later in the show. We have another big batch of beautiful prizes, including a Droll Yankees Observer window feeder. That's the kind that attaches right onto your window. You can really see the birds up close. Plus a big pack of Audubon Park mealworms and a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. It makes learning bird sounds a game. That's uh, coming up here on our Mystery Bird Contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Starting off with a kind of a disturbing one, birds in rural France are being wiped out at what's described as a catastrophic rate. The suspected reason? Pesticides. We have a link to the story on our Facebook page. On a lighter note from the cartoon section of our page this week, what happened when an early spring robin interacted with a metal mailbox post? You can probably figure that one out and a new answer to the old question of why many birds, like northern cardinals, for example, have expanded their ranges northward. Warning, this post contains yet another photo of that yellow cardinal that's been popping up everywhere on the Internet for the last month or so. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page this week. You can find most of those uh, stories, I think probably all of those, uh, through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. Time to congratulate our latest Make Your Own Swag contest winner. And the winner is Mary Langdon from Anchorage, Alaska. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. She sent us a great photo as she walked along the hillside trails of East Anchorage, accompanied by a talking bird's patch on her backpack. And we've chosen her Make Your Own Swag photo as this week's Winner. Meanwhile, we should have announced Mitch Hughes as our winner last week. A little mix-up there. He of the close-up shot of his binoculars obscuring his visage in a talking bird's patch, proudly perched on his hat. Congratulations to you, Mitch. We'll be sending Mary and Mitch great bird books from the talking bird's great bird books collection. And they're both eligible, as is everyone who sends us a make-your-own-swag photo for the grand prize, a Celestron Hummingbird Micro Spotting Scope. If you'd like a patch and would like to enter our Make Your Own Swag contest, just send a request by email to ray at talkingbirds.com and we'll send you an iron-on patch or several if you like. Just attach the patch to a hat or shirt, jacket, backpack, uh, and send us a photo of the finished project 
for a chance to win a beautiful weekly prize and even our grand prize. Deadline for entry, April 15th at midnight. Meanwhile, we want to say thank you so much to two new Talking Birds ambassadors, including Russ H. from Woodbridge, Virginia, who sends along a note with it to say just, I like birds. And thank you to Kim M. from our hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you, Kim. She says, even though I live in the city, I have lots of feeders and many feathered friends. And my yard has been designated a natural habitat. That's pretty cool. I don't know if that's from the National Wildlife Federation or not. We'll have to find that out. But thank you uh, so much, Kim. She's also asked for a Talking Birds patch. So we'll be sending one out to her. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Kim and Russ in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Spread the word about birds and conservation by handing out some of our little cards that we'll send to you. Here's how to do it. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. No G in Talking. Click on the Contact button and choose the Ambassador or the Become an Ambassador option. We've all heard of the acronym NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. How about Bigby? It stands for Birding by Bicycle. In the following note from our friend and ambassador Scott Bauman up in Wapon, Wisconsin, contains a reference to that acronym. Scott says, Hi, Ray, I handed out all the cards you sent to me at the Fond du Lac, Wisconsin Audubon meeting. My brother, who is an excellent birder himself, gave a presentation on bird songs and why birds sing. Very well attended. Was hoping you could send me more cards, ambassador cards. He has another presentation next month for the Green Lake Bird Club. Just a little update on my Bigby, green birding exploits. This is the birding by bicycle. He says, I broke the 100-mile mark last week. The waterfowl are starting to stage up around here. Up to 7,000-plus white-fronted geese have been reported here in east-central Wisconsin. Really impressive numbers for them. Love the swag patch. I'm working on getting a picture of myself with a patch to send in. Could I have another one? Yes, you can. Things are warming up here in the Midwest. Birds are sure to follow. Thank you, Scott. Well, still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Today's topic, maybe a little more contentious than usual. Birds are pairing up here in the spring, but are they falling in love? And up next, a bird with two songs and two names, if you count its original Mississippi moniker, is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. When the great ornithologist Alexander Wilson collected a beautiful warbler in a magnolia tree in 1810, he named it, no, he named it the black and yellow warbler. But he didn't ignore the tree entirely. He used it for the bird's scientific name, Cetophica magnolia. And eventually the bird's common name became the one we know today, magnolia warbler. The Magnolia Warbler has made appearances on the covers of numerous publications, including the second edition Sibley Guide to Birds, and understandably so. It's a strikingly beautiful bird, with the intensely colored male sporting a blue-gray crown, yellow throat, 
black streaked yellow underparts, a yellow rump, and dark wings with two prominent white wing bars. Male magnolia warblers have been described as having two songs, one in courtship and around the nest, and another slightly different song that may be intended as a defense against other males. The magnolia warbler's favorite food appears to be caterpillars, supplemented by beetles, butterflies, spiders, and bits of coniferous tree branches in the breeding season, and then fruit and nectar during the winter stay in southern Mexico and the Caribbean. Alexander Wilson found this bird in Mississippi, and he had no way of knowing that it would travel a long way from there in its northward spring migration, heading for its breeding grounds way up in the northeastern U.S., and across most of Canada, leaving that tree that gave it its name far behind. The Magnolia Warbler, Cetophica Magnolia, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 669, the familiar welcome to visit our website. We hope you will, TalkingBirds.com, and... Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Just a quick program reminder, coming up on our April 8th show, we'll have a really great guest, John Kreicher, creator of the very famous Neotropical Companion book and a new version of that book as well. He is an amazing uh, researcher, scientist, bird watcher, and he's written a fascinating new article in Birdwatching Magazine about why why it is that tropical birds down there in that nice, comfortable environment would leave there in the spring and fly way up here to North America, way up into Canada. We'll talk about that April 8th here on our show. John Kreicher will be our special guest. Meanwhile, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Cindy Staley, and I live in Springfield Center, New York. I think the show is wonderful for kids. I love birds, and I really think the show captures the importance of knowing about your natural surroundings, including birds. That is something that you can get going on with kids and have them be a part of that backyard science. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talkin' Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. Our Mystery Bird Contest works kind of like this. We give some clues. We play the sound of the bird. We invite you to call in and tell us what it is. Be the first to do it and win a big batch of prizes. Even if you don't get the correct answer, you might win because a drawing will determine our winner in the event of no correct answer being received. 
So that's how it goes. It's 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Prizes the Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Attaches right to your kitchen window or any other window you might like to attach it to. Plus a big 16-ounce pack of Audubon Park mealworms. And a download to your iOS device or online access. Tim is getting hungry when he heard that thing about the mealworms. Mm. He's rubbing his tummy. It's a download uh, or iOS or iOS download or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game is what it does. And this is our mystery bird. It's a medium-sized songbird with a large silver-gray bill. The male in breeding plumage is deep blue with two brown wing bars. The female is mostly brown, along with those two brown wing bars. Our bird nests across most of the southern half of the United States, mostly in northern Mexico. It has been expanding its range northward in recent years, though, and it winters mostly in Central America. It's found in forest edges and fields, hedgerows, and other areas with medium-sized trees where it feeds on insects and seeds. That's our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take your guess at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, are birds falling in love? Let's find out with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It ain't easy being wild. People try to help birds, but they don't always know the best way. Well, the folks at Audubon Park Wild Bird Food can help with their bird feeding do's and don'ts. Great tips on attracting and feeding birds and helping them survive and thrive. Audubon Park is celebrating 60 years as a family-owned business providing food safety certified products. Find Audubon Park's bird feeding do's and don'ts at audubonpark.com. That's audubonpark.com. Then click on Better for Birds. Now, a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Well, we're more than a month past Valentine's Day, so Mike O'Connor is here to give us a reality check about birds pairing up here in the spring season, but not necessarily falling in love. Can it be true, Mike? <laughs> oh, I know. I'll probably get hate mail for saying this. I know a lot of my customers, and I think that's a lot of reason why uh, people feed birds. It's kind of fun. You see them coming, and then they, in this time this year, you know, in the spring, this time of year, they come in and they almost like couples. Even in my yard, I live near the, the water, and my mother-in-law who lives with me, she puts out, don't tell anybody, but she'll put out a crust of bread once in a while when she can't finish her lunch, and the gulls will come down, and I usually fight over it, but now the gulls come down and pairs. Mm. One will come down, grab the bread, and as soon as the other one grabs it, the other one flies off. And the birds are going, the doves are off, going off in pairs, and cardinals certainly are off, paired up. And mallards, you go to a pond, there's always male and female together. And, you know, my customers think, you know, like romantic thoughts, but it's really not always the case, because it's free. In, in birds, it's just about reproducing the species. And when a couple forms a male's job, is to keep the other males away. He wants to pass on his genes through the female, so he's not 
emotionally attached to the, this female. He just wants to keep the other the others away. So he's doing a little bit of mate guarding, keeping the other ones away. And on the same token, the female appreciates the male because it keeps the she doesn't have to you know she might have a headache. She don't want to deal with all the other males coming around, and also. She's also got nesting and stuff, so she doesn't want to have to be dealing with males coming in and, and bugging her. So it's, it's kind of, and, and it helps defend the territory. So he's keeping, you know, the perimeter by providing, especially with mallards, they'll, they don't necessarily protect the nest, but they protect the feeding area. So when she gets off the nest, there's, a, there's no ducks fighting for that one place to eat. He kind of protects that area. So it's a, it's a nice idea, but basically it's to pass on the genes. And and then and, and tests have shown that doesn't even always work because the, the, the nice romantic couple, oftentimes another male will sneak in when the old man's not looking. And genetic testing has shown that sometimes there's more than one father, oftentimes there's more than one father on a nest site. You know, like uh, it's not, this, not the original dad that we all see singing high in the tree, but while he's singing, sometimes another one will sneak in. So, yeah, it's ugly out there, right? It's really <laughs> ugly out there. But they, but they do bring gifts. Uh, the males often will bring gifts to the female. That seems kind of a, a loving thing, too. <laughs> You're seeing through that, too, I, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know if that's... that. that I think that's more of a human thing. In that, in that. Are they copying us, maybe? Or, <laughs> I see us going to the flower store and say, hey, let's, I'm going to try that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. All right, thanks for the reality I'll check, Mike. we research on that, and we'll talk about it next week. All right. <laughs> Mike O'Connor down there at the uh, Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. We are back here at the Mystery Bird um, Contest. There's the sound of our mystery bird, a medium-sized Songbird with a large silver-gray bill. The male in breeding plumage is deep blue with two brown wing bars. The female is mostly brown, also with those two brown wing bars, which are probably kind of hard to see when the bird is brown and you have the brown wing bars. I'm going to have to take a closer look at um, one of those photos of the female of this species, which nests across most of the southern half of the U.S., in much of northern Mexico, although it has been expanding its range, expanding its range uh, northward in recent years, so we see them around our way here, up in the New England place. Seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred is the number. Tell us or take a guess. Our mystery bird seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred, and I believe we have John somewhere on Long Island, in the great state of New York. Good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Uh, doing well. Whereabouts on uh, Long Island, John? I live in East Islip in Suffolk County. In Suffolk County, this the east end. Yeah, at, at the at the beautiful uh, East End. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's some nice territory down there. Yes, it's it is. Pretty good uh, birding territory as well. Yeah, um, very much so. 
So what do you think, uh, John, or what do you uh, say uh, definitively about our mystery bird here? That is a blue grosbeak. All right. That was not, that was a, that was a definitive uh, statement there. <laughs> Absolutely right. Blue grosbeak. Um, any sightings uh, in your area of one of those? I saw one last fall on migration. All right. At Great. Robert Moses State Park, we shot them. What, what was the park again? Robert Moses. Ro oh, State Robert park? Moses State Park. You know, we heard yeah. from uh, we heard from one of our uh, folks who uh, got got a talking birds patch in our make your own swag contest, and her photo was taken at Robert Moses Beach. So it's a beautiful beach. Yeah, a little there's a little the connection humpback there. Humpback whales and there's a hawk watch there and humpback whales and all sorts of Ooh. things. Great place. Very cool. Well, thanks for telling us about it, John, and congratulations on uh, winning in our mystery bird contest. Thank you very much. All right. Stand the line, John. We'll get your address and send those prizes out to you. Okay. Thank you. All right. John, there uh, in East Islip, New York, uh, Long Island, correctly identifying the blue grosbeak. Little fact about glue. Now we don't have time for any facts about the blue grosbeak. Maybe next time. All right. We're just about out of time for this morning's show. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please visit our website. And uh, that's Talking Birds. Dot com. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The bird show. I like that. I'd love to do that again. Bird show. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. And by Birds and Beans, shade-grown, bird-friendly coffee. Birdsandbeans.com